Well, welcome Faith Bible Church family. It's great to be with you again today. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 12, and it starts out like this. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive Instead, just as we had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God, who examines our hearts. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness, and we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we have conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. What we see here, we see Paul. Paul is giving his story when it comes to the, the Thessalonian church. Uh, he, he's going to use the rest of the letter. He's going to be talking about their story and what they're doing and how they're walking and how they're, they're walking in faithfulness and, and some encouraging words and some, some words of uh, instruction uh, and discipline for them. But here we see Paul in a very pastoral manner laying out his purpose, his desire, how he walked, how he acted, how he how he helped with Silas and Timothy to bring up this church. It's a, it's a story of, of being steadfast in adversity. It's a story of, of keeping your eyes on God. It's a story of, of showing concern for others, of working for the good of others. And it's a story of staying in the game staying in the game. His story starts out in, in Philippi. He mentions Philippi in verse 2. Uh, and he says this, On the contrary, after we had previously suffered, and he's talking about their fruit. He says in verse 1, the, the fruit, the result of the fruit is evident. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. The story of Philippi, Paul's journey with Silas and Timothy in Philippi, takes place in Acts 16. Now, we won't read through that passage, but if you've read that passage, you might be familiar with what happens in this story. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're starting another church right before Thessalonica. They're starting another church. They get to Philippi. They do what they do. They go to the synagogues. They go out to the common places, the marketplaces. They encounter a woman who is, is wealthy, and she's a, a seller of, of purple fabric. Her name is Lydia, and she's their first convert in this city. And she's wealthy, and she invites him into, their, into her home. And more than likely, she helped start the church in her home because she had the, the facilities, if you will, to, to do that, to house this fledgling church in Philippi. They, they, have Philippi, or they, see, they see Lydia in Philippi. She comes to Christ. They, they go to the marketplace, and a demon-possessed girl starts following them around and, and saying some things about their ministry. And Paul gets so frustrated and upset that he just turns around and says, be done, out, out with it, out with it. And, and through that, the, the demon comes out. 
And this demon-possessed girl is free, but the people who had her in bondage saw that they were losing their profit, their means of income, and they helped stir up a mob in Philippi. See this theme? Paul goes to a town, he starts preaching the gospel, a mob gets stirred out, stirred up, and, and then he gets kicked out of town. Uh, a mob forms, and they accuse him of proclaiming things that the Roman citizens, they were not legally allowed to adopt. He's, he's pro- proclaiming practices. He's talking about things that we can't do as Roman citizens. Paul and Silas in particular are, are stripped and beaten with rods. They're, they're flogged. They're, they're put into prison. And what do they do in prison? The story is that they're singing hymns and songs and worshiping God. And all the other prisoners are listening to them in, in their worship. And then an earthquake strikes. The chains fall off. And, and all the prisoners stay. The, the jailer comes into the, the jail. He's worried for his life because his head is on the chopping block if the prisoners are, get free. And, and he sees him there and he's amazed and he calls out to Paul, how can I be saved? How can I get what, you're, what you have, what you possess? And the jailer takes him home and it cleans him up and he and his household come to Jesus. We, we see Lydia. We see the demon-possessed girl. We see the jailer. And more than likely, this is how the church starts in Philippi. Well, they, they get back to the prison, apparently. The jailer takes them back, or they go back. And the magistrates decide in Philippi, they decide to release Paul and Silas. Okay, let's get, you, can get, you can let them go. And Paul says no. He says, no, you got to come and get us. What you did to us was... Uh, we did not deserve that kind of treatment because we are Roman citizens. You did to us what no Roman citizen would ever have to go through. And the, the magistrates, the officials, they get so worried, so scared. Ah, no, it, it, you know what happened? We just, just go, just go. And Paul says, basically, you come down to the jail yourselves and you drag us out. Really, you come down and you take that walk of shame out of the prison. As you have to escort us, Roman citizens, out of the prison. And the magistrates, they get flustered and upset. He says, man, you got to leave. You go get out of town. We don't want to see you anymore. You see, this is, this is the life of Paul. Go preach the gospel. Start out in a new town. A mob forms. And then they get beaten, thrown in prison, kicked out of town. And they've got to move on to the next place. And it's amazing that Paul, with all of that that's going on, Paul didn't sit on the sidelines. He didn't come to Thessalonica and say, you know what, I'm going to be done. I'm loving the amenities in this city. Uh, they got the beachfront. They got all the stuff that we can enjoy, all the sites. Uh, they got the movies. They got the theaters. They got all that stuff that we want to enjoy. Uh, I'm going to just kind of sit this one out on the sidelines. He said, no, no, we were in the game. We were still in the game. They stayed in the game. And the first thing they did be, as they, they, they walked they were steadfast in their missions because they, they were seeking their approval. They had their eyes on God. In, in verse 3 through 6, Paul writes this, For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never use flattering speech, as you know, or greedy motives. God is our witness, and we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. We didn't try to come in as, as sneaky salesmen, as, as snake oil salesmen, and try to trick you or deceive you or, or present something that, that we actually didn't possess. We gave you the true message of God. What's interesting is, is Thessalonica, like many other towns, would have been, would just been inhabited by salesmen. 
all the temples and shrines would have people outside and inside calling people in. Come on in here. You want that blessing? Come on in here. You want it to rain? Come on in here. We're going to help provide that for you. You need help in your love life? Come on in here. We've got that. We're going to help you out with that. Any kind of blessing, any kind of favor, any kind of any desire, any wish that you'd have, come on in. We can provide that for you. I'm reminded of a story. I love watching the Andrew Griffith show. We love it as a family. And there's this episode called Aunt Bee's Medicine Man. It's about a traveling salesman selling this medicine. Colonel Harvey and his miracle elixir. And Colonel Harvey comes into town. He's selling this bottle of stuff. He says, for a dollar. This is what he says. My mission, this is, this is what I'm here for. My mission is life. in life is health, is zest, is vigor, is the, is the joy of living. Now, what I offer you, my friends, is no medicine. It's far more than that. Look at the, listen to the promises of this. It's a tonic, an elixir to, to purge the body, to lift the spirit, to put a light in the eye and a spring in the step, a lilt in the voice, and a hope in the human heart. This is what I'm providing. Just take one of these bottles. Give me a, give me a dollar for a bottle, and, and this is what you will have. It's going to lift your spirits, put a light in your eye. It's going to put a spring in your step. It's going to give you life. This is no mere medicine. This is life-giving. And you could hear this in the temples, in the shrines. Come in here. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you desire. Just come on here. Put your pennies in the bucket, your dollars in the bucket, and all of your dreams will come true. The city of Thessalonica was immersed in religious cult experiences, both individually and, and corporately, and, and it shared the deities from around the Greek and Roman world. And I've got a list of them. I'm going to skip reading those, but they had every God imaginable who could meet every single one of your needs if you would just bow down, put in your, your, your pennies, your tokens, and then your, your desires, you'd be blessed. It was expected that a new teacher, a, a new rabbi, uh, someone who, who had something new to share would come into town and their goal, their desire was to get people to like them, draw people in, draw people into their experience, sell their experience, and to create a good name for themselves. If you come into town and you start putting people off, well, your business is gone, so you had to create a good name for yourself. You had to kiss a lot of babies and, and all that kind of stuff. And Paul says... We, you know, our, our mission, Paul, Paul shows that he's cut from a different cloth. He's cut from a different kind of cloth. And in the noise and confusion, Paul had a, a different kind of message. And it was because his eyes were focused in the right direction. It's, it's interesting. number of times in this short passage, Paul tells us where his focus is. In verse 2, it says, we were bold for God. In, in 2, 8 and 9, it says, we preached God's gospel. In verse 4, it says, we are approved by God. We're, we're speaking to please God. In 5 and 10, he says, God is our witness. In, in verse 12, he is pointing them to God and his glory. God's glory. Not Paul's glory, not Silas's glory, not Timothy's glory. He's pointing them to God's glory glory. In verse 4, Paul says that we were entrusted by God with the message. We were entrusted, we were approved by God, and we're examined 
by God. So this idea of approved is Paul and his companions had been entrusted, had been given. God had put in their hands the message, the task, the job, the responsibility. They, they were approved workmen. They, they were stamped. Passports were stamped. Hey, you're off to here. Go. All right. You've got the work orders. Here, here's your work orders. You go. We were approved by God. We had the work orders from God to preach God's gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only were we approved by God, which was that you're stamped, go, go. I've entrusted you to carry this word, God says. We were also examined by God. And this idea of, of being examined by God is an ongoing evaluation by God. God is the one who is examining our hearts. And it doesn't just, it's not just one time, here's the message, go, you've been approved and, you know, good luck. You know, good luck. No, constantly, continually, God is examining examining our hearts to make sure that we are truly preaching the good news of the gospel. This is why Paul is so effective in his work. All right, he knows he's been approved by God. He knows his standing is secure in God. He, he's sure of his standing. He's secure. He has no doubts about it. So he can walk boldly down the road in that. He knows who's holding him. All right, he knows where his his mission has come from. And he knew he was being evaluated by God continually, that his heart was being evaluated. So it keeps his eyes, his mind, his thoughts, his actions, his behaviors, his motivation focused in the right direction because he knows that God is the one who can see his heart. And he wants to be a workman who is uh, proven uh, trustworthy, to carry the message that God had given him. He's like a he's like in this kind of situation where where there's a public figure who has a message to give. For you know, with text and everything like that, we lose this idea. But back then, there, if if a public figure had a message to carry, he would give it to to someone else, a messenger, to carry that message to someone in a, a distant land in in the kingdom in a distant land, um, a, a citizen far away. And he would pass that off to a messenger. The messenger wasn't the one who was going to get the glory or the honor or the respect from the, the recipients of the message. That was made for the, the public figure, that, the one who was high up. Paul is like that messenger delivering that message from that high up official. And he knows his place. He, he, he's, he knows his status. He knows who has him, and it keeps him in check. It keeps him balanced and, and, and headed in the right direction. Paul had one of the most influential assignments in the world. Do you think about Paul and what he did? He, he planted churches throughout that known world. Imagine that nowadays, like a missionary going to every single place in the known world to, to start to plant churches. All right, that's a, that's a big job, a big task. Paul was doing that in the known world at the time. Paul worked through the, the Holy Spirit to, to compose Scripture. Think about that. The Scripture that we are blessed with to, to read and, and to, to meditate on. and to, that, that helps us grow in maturity in our own walk with the Lord. Paul was inspired by the Spirit. Set down on paper the words of Scripture. Paul also was raising up the next generation of leaders for God's church. He's got Timothy with him on this adventure. 
He's raising up him. He's got the churches like in Philippi and Thessalonica. He's helping to raise up leaders in those churches that will then be, be staple figures within those churches. Paul had an influential uh, assignment, but he knew his status. He knew who he was serving. He knew who, who was the one who, who was, was over all, over all, above all. And he says this, he's, he's, he's been uh, kind of uh, accused of, uh, like others, um, uh, that, that he himself is a, a salesman to this, with this message. But he says in 2 Thessalonians 2.17, he, he's being accused of the same kind of thing. For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God, who gave us the message, who entrusted us with the message, God did, and before God, continually before God, proving ourselves worthy to carry this load, to carry this message, to, to spread this message throughout the world. Paul had his eyes, his eyes focused on God, and he was seeking approval only from God and not other people. And he was there, and, and as he talks through this letter in Thessalon- Thessala- uh, to the church in Thessal- Thessalonica, he says, we were there to show concern for others, and we were there to work for your good. Uh, in verse 7 through 8 and then 11 through 12, he says this, Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you, gentle as, as a nurse nurtures her own children, like a nursemaid or a nursing mother. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. As you know, like a father with his own children, listen to this, the, the mother and the father, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom of glory. I love the connection of both the father and the mother. And we were tender, caring, loving, nurturing, all of that. Uh, but we were also there to, to help you make decisions, to be providers for you, to, to give you direction, to, to keep you moving down the right path as our children. I love how he connects both the, the motherly and fatherly roles to describe their concern for this church. But we were there to work for you, he says. We weren't there for our own pride. We weren't there for our own glory. We weren't there to, to lift our... Uh, to, to elevate us, we were, we were there to serve you. And he reminds them, he says in verse 9 and 10, he says, For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day, so that we would not burden any of you. We preach God's gospel to you. We, we are witnesses, and so is God, of how devotely, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. You saw who we were. You have other people around you are accusing us of being salesmen, just like these other temple salesmen. You understand, you know, you saw our witness, you saw our testimony, you know what we were all about and how we came in there and we we didn't want to burden you. Paul in verse 7 says, as an apostle of Christ, we deserve basically to be paid. All right, we were deserving of your help and support as we were helping you set up this church in your town. That is what we deserved as an apostle of Christ. That was our right, but we gave up that right because we knew at that moment in time, this is what you needed. You needed to be shown uh, the example of service and love and care and that we didn't want to be a burden on you. All those other salesmen in the temples and the shrines, they're looking for you to to, to give them that quick buck, to to be that... that, that uh, 
constant financial support as they're selling their wares and their message. We knew that in order to preach the gospel of Christ, which is a, a new and a better message, we actually had to come in as servants, as humble servants, looking out for your good, your interest. Now, there is risk in this. You know, to, to go into a place and to be a part of a church, and, and I'm sure this church, they wanted to help them out. All right, Paul is a tent maker. He's making tents during this time. He, he might have had to rent a house or rent a shop. All right, there, there's cost in that. Uh, he says that they worked work night and day, night and day, to working and then preaching the gospel. This was, this was their, their pattern, their ritual. Night and day, they worked hard on their behalf. Part of that was tent making, selling tents, repairing tents, doing that kind of manual labor for them. And they had bills to pay. They had materials to buy. They had food to buy. They had to take care of their own needs. And so you have a church that maybe wanted to help them. And they said, no, we, we, want, to, we want to work for you. We don't want to take advantage of you. But a church that wanted to help, there's a risk that, oh, well, are you really part of us? Or are you just staying on the sidelines? And, and you know what? You, you just, you're not part of the family because we want to be joined together. And you, when it says in Acts that, that everybody else was taking care of their needs and everybody shared and everything they had, we want to be that kind of church. Why won't you enjoy that with us? And so there's a little bit of a risk. Are, are you on the outside or are you actually with us? Or on the other side, hey, here, we deserve to be paid. You need to pay us. And it's like, well, that's why you're here. You're just here to make a buck. And then when you've run out of, uh, you've run out of, um, clients or you've run out of uh, people that you can swindle, then you're, you're off again. Paul says, well, our hearts were pure. We wanted to show you a good example. We didn't want to be a burden to any of you as we preached this gospel message. The gospel message is a free message. It's a free message. And Paul is acting like a missionary. If you think about a missionary today, a traveling missionary, many times they're funded from outside. They're supporting our parties uh, who are helping in that mission. And this is, this is the kind of work that he was doing. And uh, he's, as he's going through this, I mean, he's come off of a rough trip to Philippi. He's come into Thessalonica. He's having a rough time there. You know, a mob's forming. They're, they're looking to boot him out as well. But he stays in the game. He's dedicated to the game because he's seeking approval from men, or <laughs> from God, excuse me. He's seeking approval from God and not from men. All right, he has his eyes focused on God. He knows his mission, his calling. He's steadfast in the work. He's showing concern for others, and he's working out for the benefit. He's working for the benefit of others as well. And he expects fruit, and he says, we saw the fruit. We saw the fruit. In verse 1, it starts off with, For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit was uh, with you was not without result. Look at the church that's grown. We see that fruit. And he says in the end, in verse 12, we encouraged, comforted, implored each one of you to walk worthy of God. Walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Live a life. This is what we desired for you, to live a life that was worthy of God's calling. We wanted your behavior to be in step with God. And we did everything that we could to show you that example. And in fact, you're imitating us. Earlier we saw in chapter one, you're being imitators of us and of Christ Jesus. And that was our goal for you to walk worthy of this calling that God has placed in your lives. Your, your behavior, this idea of walking, your behavior is one foot in front of the other. You're, you're confident in your steps. You're going in the right direction. You know where to place your feet and you're continuing down the path that God has called you down. Well, 
If we don't understand that we're approved by God, if we don't understand that, and not just approved by God, loved by God, if we don't understand that we're approved by God, that we're loved by God, then what will we try to do? We will attempt to be approved by other people. All right, we'll set our eyes in the wrong direction because we will try to, to find our approval and our value and our worth from other men and women. We actually might become salesmen ourselves, trying to sell uh, an image to the world, all right? A positive image to the world, a self-righteousness, selling self-righteousness to the world. We might try to sell success to the rest of the world when they look at us. And we're, we're trying to actually sell for the benefit of our own interest, the benefit of our own desires. You know, Paul could have had his own interests and he could have just said, hey, here it is. All right, throw the cash in the plate. There's the message. Goodbye, I'm on to the next place. But he cared. This letter is about caring, his care and his love for the, the church in Thessalonica. Paul was committed to the game. He stayed in the game. And we can choose to get in the game or we can choose to be out of the game. If we get in the game, we have a voice. If we sit on the sidelines, we got to sit silently. There's a lot going on in the world around us that's changing, that's moving. Some things that we like, and I've heard a lot of people say some things that we don't like. All right. And in, in, in this last year, we've seen so much change. We're seeing some crazy stuff right now. Right. I mean, most of us say, what in the world is going on? What kind of rational person would, would see that this is this is this is right. The world is just unraveling in front of us. It's unraveling in front of us. And some of this is needed, but some of it just is like, what in the world? We're just losing grip. We're, we're, we're losing control of of reality. My challenge is we can choose to get in the game and we can use our voice as Christ, as, as the Holy Spirit works through us, or we can choose to sit on the sidelines. But if, if church, if we sit on the sidelines, we got to stay quiet. We don't have a voice because we're not willing to get into the game, okay? It's so easy to be on the sidelines and, and see what's going on in the culture, what the issues of the day, and start to grumble, complain, and, and, and project out there our, our disapproval and our disagreement. That's, that's so easy to do. That's not being in the game. That's, that's sitting on the sidelines, you know, and, and, and using our voice in a negative way. Paul did not sit on the sidelines and grumble. He had every right to grumble, right? What he had experienced, what he had been through, he had every right to grumble, every right to complain, every right to say, man, these, these, these stupid people, they just don't understand. If they would just get this right, then everything else would be okay. Why can't they do this? Why are they making it so hard on us? Why are they... Why are they taking away our rights? Why are they throwing us in prison? Why are they doing all of these things? Our, our lives would be so much easier if they would just stop doing that. All right, but Paul stayed in the game. He stayed in the game. He says, I'm going to use my voice in a positive way to preach the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ to anybody who will hear, anybody who will listen, no matter what it costs. Seeking approval by men instead of God it continues to bring our focus inside, inside of ourselves.
all right? It takes our eyes, takes our senses, it takes everything and, 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 and moves it inside of ourselves. And we have to get out of that. We have to get out of that, that practice. So how do we do that? There's a couple of things that we can do to, to stay in the game, to be in the game, to be positive in the game instead of sitting on the sidelines and being grumblers and complainers. First thing is we have to go directly to God. God's the one who can hold the weight in our, our burdens in life. We see this as Paul's example. He continued pressing on, knowing that he was approved by God, he was entrusted by God, and, and God was the one who was examining their motives and, and their actions. Go directly to God. When you have a weight that you just feel is, is unbearable, your first stop is God because he loves you and he wants to be there helping you to carry that load. The next thing we can do is we can get some counsel. I'm sure that Paul and Silas and Timothy had lots of discussions about their journeys and the churches they were starting and, and practices and, and decisions. Were we right in that? Should we done done this instead? Next time we're going to do this. This didn't quite take. Hey, and, and feeding off one another as a council, a holy council with one another, what is the right path that we need to walk down? And when we come into disagreement with people, when we come into conflict with people, we need to make sure that, that we are a people that are modeling what Jesus says about conflict in, in Matthew 18, going directly to the person that we're having a problem with. All right, that was Jesus's model, Jesus's instruction. And you go directly to them and try to work this out in this path of, of restoration. It's hard to grumble and slander someone that you're working with to restore a relationship. All right, other people have said, you know, it's, it's hard to slander someone that you're praying for. It's hard to slander someone that you, you look at them and you say, you know what, I wanna pray blessings upon their life. And one of the first steps that we do is we try to be the ones to, to initiate reconciliation when we need it. We need to stay away from gossip and slander. Sitting on the sidelines, you know what? We're backseat drivers. Everybody hates a backseat driver. Get out of the way. Shut up. You know, leave me alone. I'm just trying to keep my eyes focused on the road. And all you're doing is causing confusion. That's what gossip and slander does. It just throws confusion into the mix. It's actually we're trying to seek solutions, you know, by, by going to people who have no control over the situation, all right? Someone who's not even involved in the situation that we're involved with. When we go to them to talk about these other people, we're trying to give them control over a situation that they have no right or business being in. So in order to keep our eyes focused on God, to keep ourselves in the game, we need to be acting in... in in the right way, uh, walking down the, the righteous, they said the, the path of devotion and righteousness, being blameless. And, and in order to do that, we keep our eyes focused on God. We go to God. We seek counsel when we need it. All right. We, we go to those who we have disagreements. We don't let it fester. And we certainly stay away from the slander and the gossip and the sideline complaining. Our nature is to move out of the game. All right. I don't like something. I'm throwing my hands up in the air and I'm out. That's our, our nature, to, to, ditch, to ditch it and, and leave, move on, do something else. There's a lot of that going on right now. A lot of that we see in our culture right now is, I don't like this, and, and so we're, 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 jumping, we're jumping ship. Paul reminds us that we need to stay in the game. We need to be players in this game, because if we're not players in this game, then who is going to hear 
who, who are the people outside of our walls? How are they going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're not willing to share it, if we're not willing to live life beside them, if we're not even willing to, in disagreement, walk beside them? How will they feel the love of Jesus if we're not in that game? We got to stay in the game. We got to get in the game. And we do that by not seeking the approval of men, but we seek God's approval. We do that by continuing to be, to be steadfast in our task and in our walk. We do that by, by humbly showing our concern for others and, and working for the benefit of others. And ultimately, we will end up producing the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says, we see your fruits. Our visit there was not without result. We, we see the fruit of the effort and the labors, and we are blessed by it. We, we were steadfast, and you saw that. You are steadfast now, and we see that fruit coming to the surface. Now, the interesting thing about the gospel, I was, I was with a group of pastors this morning, and we were talking about culture and what's going on and our concerns and our, our prayers and, and our hopes and and, and, and all that the stuff that's swirling around us. And, and the good news about the gospel is that the gospel works just as well in freedom as, as it works in bondage. The gospel works just as well in freedom, in times of freedom, as well as, as it does in times of bondage. The gospel doesn't change. And Paul realized this. Paul was able to, to endure persecution, endure the beatings, endure the jail times, endure having to move from city to city because he kept getting kicked out. He was able even to endure uh, being martyred at the end and having his life ended because uh, of his devotion to Jesus Christ. He had his eyes fixed on the prize and he was able to stay in the game and he was never sidelined. Jesus, we come. And we just ask for that same boldness and that same determination that we see in people like Paul and Silas and Timothy, that we see in the, the Thessalonian church, how they, they were steadfast in their love for you and their desire to see the gospel preached in their lives, in their, the lives of their community changed. Lord, we ask for that same spirit. We ask for that same boldness. We ask for that same confidence. Give us the words to say. Give, it, give us the, the actions to, 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 to do within our communities. Lord, give us the wisdom to continue to move forward in the right direction. And we come praising you for who you are and for what you've given to us. You've given us eternal life, and this life here on this earth is just so short and, and, and fleeting. But we have eternity to look forward to, and we thank you and we give you praise for that. And we come in Jesus' precious name. Amen.